You know, I just get a sense, you know, sometimes we're here to celebrate the men and, you know, we're here to, you know, celebrate all the fathers and all that. But, you know, sometimes it is a hard day for some people. And I just got a sense as we were singing that song that some people actually are hurting because of the loss of their fathers. And actually, this is what I believe God wants to do. He wants to bring you under his covering. He wants to show you that there's another love that he has for you. And he can restore and he can heal your heart. Yes, he can't give you back your natural father. But he can bring healing in your spirit, in your soul, that can restore something that has been lost because you've lost a father. Does that make sense? So I want to encourage you this morning, you know, you come to Jesus, Jesus has made a way to the Father and this amazing love and he can heal you if you believe in him and come to him. And I just get a sense this morning that some people are hurting, maybe you're listening online, some people are hurting because of the loss of their father. I want to encourage you, come to your father in heaven this morning and believe that he does exactly what he says and brings healing to you. I know that experience, you know, it's 30 years next month for me that I lost my father at 16. So I know the pain of losing a father naturally, and I never thought I'd get out from under that pain. It took me 11 years to ask Jesus, and then Jesus miraculously came into my life, healed my heart, and it was like nothing had ever happened. So I know the power of God, and I know that I can testify that God is good, and he heals people's hearts, and he is the restorer. So I want to encourage you to keep coming to Jesus. Okay, it's the promises of God that we're talking about. We've seen it on the love of the Father. You know, you may have a wonderful father. You know, I had a great father for 16 years, taught me many good values. You know, he wasn't perfect. He, he didn't, I can't remember my father giving me a hug. So from an affection point of view, there wasn't that side of it. Although I did get it from my mother, so within the family unit, I did get a love, and he loved me in his way, but for many years I didn't think I was loved because he didn't hug me. Does that make sense? So he was a loving father in his way, and yet maybe you've got a loving father and he's been great in your life and you, you know, you're very blessed, but sometimes we don't all have them. Or we have a father and they don't always love them in the way we think they sh- we should be loved. And unfortunately that can affect us and damage us. But I want to encourage you, this week and next week especially, believe that God is going to restore and heal some things back to you. Because that's what he does when you come under his covering. So I'm going to read a scripture. We're going to look at the love of God this morning. Luke 15, again, I read it last week. We're going to start at verse 15, chapter 15, verses 15 to 24. It says this. this, So so what's happened here is that the, the son, one of the sons, has gone to his father and asked for his inheritance, and the father has very generously given it to him. He's gone away, and he's lived this life that appeared to be good. By the way, he didn't go, I'm going to go and spend all this money because it's a bad thing. No, he was deceived. You know, like many of us, we go and do things, and we think it's good for us, and actually we learn it's not. And he, he realizes he's, 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 you know, he's going out, and he's spending all his money, thinks he's doing a good thing. And then it says this, he, he wastes all the money, he's got nothing left, it's all spent. So it says this. It's, you, know, you, know, it's, you know what it's like when you get paid, and then a week after getting paid, you've spent it all. Or is that just me? Two days. No, I'm only kidding. We don't waste money. But here's the, here's the deal. He's wasted everything, right? He's spent his whole life's inheritance, and he's, he's not a week in, right? He's, I don't know how long he's in, but he's got nothing left, right? He's wasted it all. So that's this. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Don't you just love that? God is filled with compassion for those who come to him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Don't you just love this parable that Jesus, this story that Jesus gives about the heart of the father, the love of the father. And if you know anything about this story, I mentioned it last week, on his way back, he would have probably got stoned to death, the son. He, he dishonored his parents, and the cost of that was actually in the law, he would be stoned to death. So on his way back, he's going to get stoned to death, right? But the father understands this, and he's willing to do something. Why? Because, number one, God is a God of restoration. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God's plan for your life is to restore you. Even when you've done the worst thing in the world, the Father's love for you is to restore you. Do you believe that this morning? He's a God of restoration. I love that song this morning in the Father's house. Leave shame at the door. I mean, come on. It's not welcome anymore. You know, you're welcome, but the shame, you don't need to bring it in anymore. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. I, I, love the, um, I love the scripture. I can't remember where it is. It says, perfect love casts out fear. Yeah? Perfect love casts out fear. What does that mean? It means, basically, the word cast out there means to throw. So what you're to do is this. You're to throw out the judgment of God now because what he's already done through Jesus. You don't have to fear God's judgment for you because God has cast that out. The sin has been cast out. Your shame has been cast out. You don't need to bring it in. Why? Because God is a God of restoration. Relationally, first and foremost. He wants to connect your spirit to his spirit so that you're made right with him through faith in Jesus. It's a relationship in the process of restoration that we begin. And he's created a way of that restoration. His name is Jesus. There is no other way to be restored. His name is Jesus. You can be restored, you know, mentally, emotionally. You can do things in your own will, but your spirit can only be restored through faith in Jesus Christ. He's the only one who holds the key to that, and he offers you the key to enter through the door. His name is Jesus. So God creates a way of restoration. The second thing he does, he provides a recovery as part of that restoration. I mentioned this last week. I'm going to do a little bit in a moment, and also next week. So he provides a way of recovery. You know, I love how he first and foremost goes and embraces him with his arms, the affection. But then he says, go and get the best robe, go and get the sandals, you know, and, and go and get the, what's the third thing, the ring, right? So th- this is about restoration. This is about recovery and restoration. And what he's doing is, so that he's accepted back into society, he's giving some things for him to be recovered, He's given him a robe so he's no longer, you know, he's no longer undignified in terms of not accepted by people. Have you ever come across anyone who's got no clothes living on the street? No? 
Anybody come across anyone who's or wearing rags, holes, and, you know, they're, they're living in a sleeping bag on the street. Or if you go other countries, you'll find there's millions of people in the world who walk around with no shoes on their feet or no clothes. It's not very dignified for them. But if you were to bring them into a house and then put shoes on their feet and clothes on their back and wash them, they're a bit more dignified. Does that make sense? And God's job of restoration is to repair to restore that dignity to the individual and he's putting clothes on him he's giving him sandals sandals are to do with not being a slave if you didn't have shoes in those days you were a slave but if you had shoes then you were part of the family slaves didn't have shoes so he's restoring his dignity back to him first and foremost the second thing he's doing is restoring his identity and God's in the job of restoring not only our dignity but our identity who likes wearing clothes? Please tell everybody, otherwise we'd be turning up naked on a Sunday morning. Thank God for clothes, okay? They give us dignity, but they also give us identity. Now, as a child, I always remember dressing up, dressing up as a policeman. There's one in the room, you know? Or dressing up as Superman, or dressing up as Spider-Man, or dressing up as a... I used to, you used to get the vet stuff out, or the, the doctor's stuff, the stethoscope, and put it on. Why? Because you wanted to be a vet, or you wanted to be a doctor. You wanted to be these people, and you knew who they were by how they dressed. So you copied what they dressed, because that gives them identity. It also gives them authority. A policeman, you walk down the street, you can identify a policeman because the way he's dressed, or a policewoman, you can see them because the way they dress. That gives them identity, and it gives them authority. What God is doing here is restoring their identity, their dignity, and he's giving him back authority in society. I mentioned I like dressing. I've got some things I've had for Father's Day here. I've got some, anybody had any socks this morning? Just me. Father's Day, it's always socks for me. I was going to put them on, but I actually I realized what it says on, was on the bottom. So I was like going to show you, but then I realized it was on the bottom of the foot. So I, I, I couldn't put them on. So it says, the first sock says, do not disturb. This says a lot about me, doesn't it? Don't you think? I'm exposing my vulnerability here. Do not disturb sock. And guess what it says on the other one? Anybody guessing online? You can put it online. What do you think it says on the? It says, do not disturb on one foot. I'm already disturbed, Rachel, you are right. That was my tagline on the end of here, you've spoilt it. The other one says, I'm watching football. I'm already disturbed watching football, to be honest. You know, I, I like wearing silly socks. Any teachers in here? Yeah. Any science teachers or science boss in here? Who remembers the science teacher at school? Right? Is it me or did they always wear a strange tie? Science teachers always wear weird things. Odd socks and weird ties. Parents, we embarrass our kids by what we wear. I, uh, I, I put on a, a headband the other week. You're laughing at I put a headband on because I go to the gym. I got a headband. Put this headband on. And one of my daughters looked at me and went, Dad, no. I said, what do you mean, no? It looks silly. What do you mean it looks silly? It's a headband. They were in in the 80s. Dad, it looks silly. Take it off. You're not going to the gym. I said, I need it because my sweat runs down my head. You're not going to the gym and that, Dad, with me. We wear things and we embarrass our kids, don't we? 
What was funny is I came Sunday on, I came church on the Sunday, and guess what? One of the coolest kids in the church were wearing a headband. I said, I said to my daughter, see, I'm leading the way. Yeah, Dad, but you're bald and it doesn't look good on your head. <laughs> the point is this. You know, what we put on gives us identity, does it not? God wants to cover us. Not only does he want to cover us in, in an embrace, he wants to cover us in clothes that give us, first of all, dignity, and he wants to give us identity again. He doesn't want us to be rejected and living in shame. He wants us to understand who we are as his children. And I accept you and I love you. This is the Father's house. He gives him sandals and he gives him ring, a ring and he gives him a robe because he's restoring his identity in society. But you know what? As I read this, those things are wonderful things that he does to him. But I asked you this question this morning. What makes him a son? Is it the robe? Is it the sandals? Is it the ring? What is it that makes him a son? Because you could argue when you read this that, you know, those who were servants didn't have shoes. So it's the sandals that make him a son of the house. But actually, when I look at it, I don't believe it's any of them. I believe that actually he was already a son without the sandals. He was already a son without the robe. He was already a son without the ring. It's not the stuff that we put on that makes us who we are. It's our relationship with the father. And the son was born of the father, was he not? So he didn't need a robe. He didn't need a ring. He didn't need anything. All he needed to know was that the father loved him. That's it. And you this morning, you might think, yeah, but if I just, if I just had this thing, if I just had this talent or this gift or I just had these things, that then I'd be perfect. And God's going, no, you've got the thing that's perfect. You've got the very thing. I got it for you. It's my love to you that makes you a son. You were already my son because you were born of me. That's what makes you a son. Not what you put on, not what you do, not how you perform. Not even the mistakes of your past make you a son. What makes you a son is, I love you. And I, I, you, you, if you put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says this, you are born of God. So you're already a son, not by what you do, but by faith in Jesus Christ. It says that Jesus was the firstborn of many. So if you put your faith in Jesus, you become born of God. That makes you a child of God. You know, but sometimes I think we get wrapped up in things we need to put on. And God's like, no, you don't need to put any of those things on. All you need to do is accept my love for you. You still with me? You know, I remember before I was a Christian, thinking, if I become a Christian, I used to look at those Christians and think, I'm going to have to dress like them Christians. And my worst nightmare that went through my head was, Christians wear sandals. Sorry if you've got sandals on this morning. Sandals are back in, by the way. Apparently, especially if it says Birkenstock on the side. But, but you need that, apparently. Who knew that? But my point is this. We have ideas of what we think we need to do to be accepted. I need to wear the sandal. The son needed the sandals. Why? Because society, it needed to be accepted back into society. But that's not what got him accepted by the father. He was accepted by the father because he was the son's. He was his son. And I want to encourage you this morning, it's Father's Day. Don't get wrapped up in things that you need, you think you need. You need one thing. His name's Jesus. 
You need to understand the depth of love that Jesus has towards you. That is the number one thing. That's why Paul, when you read in the New Testament, he's like going through horrendous times of suffering and different things. And he realizes he's got nothing in a way, but yet he has everything. How can you have nothing but have everything? You can have nothing in this world, but have everything in relationship to the Father and the Son. Because if you have the Son, you have everything. Just like the Father's heart, all he wants is the Son. All he's obsessed with is getting his Son home because he loves his Son. And just like the Son, he realizes, if I was just in my Father's house, there'd be a few things. Two things would be in the Father's house. Number one, there'd be protection. That's what he promises to provide. And the second thing that he provides is provision. In the Father's house is protection. In the Father's house, there's provision. How do we find that provision? We rest in the promises of God. We don't try and achieve them. We rest in the word of God. We rest in the promise of God that I will protect you. I will provide for you. You don't need to strive. You don't need to achieve. You rest in my promise that I have and will continue to provide for you. In the Father's house. Still with me this morning. 1 John 3 says this, verse 1. See what great love that the Father has lavished on us. Come on. What great love the Father has lavished on you this morning. Are you covered this morning in a lavishing of the Father's love? Can you see it? Come on. Can you see what great love the Father has lavished us upon us. Then he says this, that we would be called children of God. And that is what we are. Wow. We're children by faith. We're not children by, by descendancy. We're not children because of our mother and father. We're not, we're not because what we wear, what we achieve, what gifts we have. You know, if we speak in tongues, if we, if we can cast out demons, whatever, none of that stuff. Just if we see what the Father has done for us, what amazing love is lavished upon us that we would be called children of God. That we would be loved by the Father. I want to say to you this morning, you are loved by the Father. The world may reject you, others may reject you, but God will never reject you. It is the promises of God that he will never reject you. He will always accept you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. You always come back to the Father. He will unconditionally accept you and love you. He will give you more than a million chances. He will keep giving you chances and keep believing in you because he wants the best for you. Now, if anybody, if anybody understood this, I think it was Peter in the Bible. If anybody understood the, the forgiveness of God, if anybody understood this unconditional love, it was Peter. Peter who said, Jesus, I'll never leave you. I, I'm so determined that I'm going to give my life to you, Jesus, and I'll never, ever leave you. That's Peter. Peter who struggled with relationships. Peter who you know, had, had, had such willpower Yet we find him messing up, denying Jesus three occasions. Peter said, I can do it. And he messes up in his own pride, his own strength. He denies Jesus on three occasions. 
Yeah, because God is a God of restoration and God is a God of recovery, he makes a way for Peter. Peter, who becomes probably the most influential person in the church at that time because he can testify about this amazing love of the Father that he's once messed up, but now he's discovered the depth of the love that he has discovered through being born of him, not of himself. And he writes these words. I want to encourage you this morning. These are challenging words, but I'm telling you, as a father... If you're a father this morning, you'll know that these words, if you do them, will protect your children. They will provide for your children. They will be a covering over your family of unconditional love if you can hear this and do it for your family. And that doesn't just mean the men of the house. That means everybody at the house. We're all part of a family. We all have a responsibility to steward the love of God for others. How do you know you're a son this morning? How do you know? I'll I'll simplify it. I've got a really, really, I'll give you a really in-depth theological idea of what it looks like. It's simply this. You're bonkers for Jesus. That's it. I'll ask you a question this morning. Are you bonkers for Jesus? Are you bananas for Jesus? Do you love God with all of your heart this morning? Because if you do, this is what you'll see you'll see an amazing love for everyone. Because this is the Father. If you understand the love of the Father towards you is amazing depth of his love, that he would be crucified for you on a cross, that he would be nailed to the cross, he would lose his dignity, he would lose his identity for you because he loves you. This is what it does. It permeates through every layer of shame, Whatever's happened in your life, it permeates through it all. It washes us and it shows us that we are surely loved by God. Are you loved by God this morning? Are you bonkers for Jesus this morning? You can say yes, by the way. You can't sing in church, but you can respond to me. Are you bonkers for Jesus this morning? I know you are because you're here. Or you're bananas. If you don't like bonkers, be bananas. Whatever it is, right? It's your love for Jesus. It's your love for God because what he's done for you. Now, I'll also know if you're a son or we're children of God because of this. It's our love for everybody else. I know there's people in this church that love God because they understand the protection and the provision of people. You know, people who are struggling with food at the moment, they understand, they know the heart of God, the compassion of God. They respond to it because they go, there's a need in our community. I'll be a father to those who are in need. I'll do something. That's the, that's the heart of the Father, I believe. And you can do that in whatever way you are, wherever you are, you can do something to respond to that love of God. But Peter, he who denied Jesus, I'll tell you how I know he was bonkers for Jesus because he writes these words. A guy who struggled relationally, a guy who lived in shame, who denied Jesus, walked away from him, but then discovered the love of the Father. He writes these words. 1 Peter 4 verse 8. Above everything, to cover the covering of God, the highest thing above everything, he says, love each other deeply. Love each other deeply. God loves us deeply. No, Paul writes in Ephesians, I pray that you would discover, you would understand, that, that you would know that how wide, how deep is the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It's the depth of God's love towards us. 
Peter, I believe, has discovered it. He says, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Wow. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, God's love in Jesus covers all of your sins. How many is a multiple? I don't know, but it's a lot. We've all got a list of things that we've done, but a multiple is a lot. God's love multiplies over us and forgives us. With the same love has been multiplied over us, we're to multiply over others who sin against us. That's what Peter's saying. I've messed up. We've all messed up, but I've discovered someone who's paid the price for my mess. And just like people hurt me and upset me and, 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 and say things about me, Peter says, I'm going to cover it with a, a deep love. Why? Because he's discovered the love of the Father. And now I'm going to share the love of the Father with those who I come into contact. Peter, who struggled with the relationships like many of us, understood. I've discovered a grace that I can receive from God. Now the grace of God, I'm going to share with others. I'm going to forgive them like I. This is Peter who asked, Lord, how many times do we forgive him? Many times, Peter. Keep doing it. Why? Because it covers over sin. And that's what we need. We need a love that is deeper than shallow. A love that doesn't run away when it hurts, but a love that says, I'm going to keep loving you. I'm going to, we need a community that accepts people and keeps loving. Why? Because it's the Father's heart it's the Father's love. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. You know, it's Father's Day. We've got much to be thankful for, have we not? God is a God of restoration. He's a God of recovery. You know, the Father in this parable, you know, the Son was dead, in essence, returning. But the Father made a choice. He recognized if his son came back, he was going to be dead. But he made a choice to cover him. In other words, he made a choice to stand in the gap like Jesus did. To say, they have no future. They're lost. But I'm going to come and I'm going to stand in the gap on behalf of the Father. And I'm going to make a way so that their future, they're no longer lost. They're no longer dead. But they have a future. It becomes a new day. It becomes a glorious day. That's why they say get the fatty calf and begin to celebrate because what God has done, we all need to rejoice about. It is Father's Day. Father's got his children back in his house. It's time to rejoice. It's a glorious day. If you're in here by faith this morning, it is a glorious day. It's a day to celebrate church. So I'm going to pray. and I want you to stand. If you're at home, just close your eyes, whatever, and I'm going to pray a prayer. Two things I'm believing for. Number one, that you receive forgiveness if you've never received forgiveness before. God offers you forgiveness, part of his restoration. And the second one is this, that God would give you grace so that you can love others with the same love that he's loved you. Maybe there's people you need to forgive. Maybe there's people that have hurt you. Maybe you're hurting because you've lost your father or your mother. And it's time to go through a restoration process of receiving the love of the Father. So, Father, we pray this morning, maybe those who are listening or listening online, they want to know your forgiveness. They just come to Jesus this morning. Thank God for what he's done through Jesus on the cross and receive his forgiveness this morning. In the name of Jesus. And, Father, we thank you for your grace as we read about Peter who was restored 
Father, I pray for many of us to receive your grace. Father, I pray that we would learn to celebrate in your house the wonderful gift of Jesus and what you've done for us. I thank you for Father's Day. I thank you for all you've done. I thank you personally, Lord, for me. I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for all that are listening online. Jesus, we pray for a grace upon this church. I pray for a revelation of a deeper love, the depth of your love towards us. I pray for people to know that they are children of God, loved by you first and foremost. Father, we break anything over people's lives that would say anything different. Shame, guilt, we break it in the name of Jesus. We declare the blood of Jesus as paid for those sins. I pray for a new freedom in their life of resting in your promise of unconditional love. In the name of Jesus, amen.